And let's all stand for the reading of God's Word this morning. As we go to the Word of God, just a few verses here. In 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning at verse 14, it says, So one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning, he went outside there, and there were all troops and horses and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried out to Elisha. Notice the question he asked. What are we to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? How many of you are asking yourselves that question right now because of something you're going through? Show me your hands. Come on. Let's pray. Father, bless this series we're about to start. Father, Maria is a testimony of the power of prayer. And I'm sure during those two years where Josiah was not walking, Lord, Maria was asking, what are we going to do? And what if he can't walk? But Lord, you prove time and time again that you are always at work, you always have a plan, and you are faithful. So Father, I pray as we enter this new series you've placed in my heart, that you would help us to learn what it means to truly trust you, to believe in your miracles, to live a life of peace, a life of trust, and a life of power, Lord. I ask you, Father, that you would please use me to speak your word. Remove all distractions now, Lord, and I just pray, Holy Spirit, you would convict us today with this word. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. You guys can have a seat. You guys doing good this morning? Amen. All right. Are we getting to this brand new series? We've titled this series, Entangled. Entangled. Come on, say that with me. Entangled. How many of you ever feel like your life is just a big entanglement of drama and issues and problems? You see, when we think about the word entangled, the word entangled literally means, is defined as being caught up in difficulties or complications due to a circumstance for which it is difficult to escape. In other words, the word entangled literally means to be caught up, to be caught up in difficulties, to be caught up in circumstances and where you feel there is no way out. There's no way I'm going to get out of this problem. There's no way I'm going to get out of this circumstance. There's no way I'm going to get out of this habit. You see, when we think about the word entangled, it's a lot like this rope. This is actually a rope that I have for a boat that I have. And Danny's responsible for this rope, but you see how he left it. It's all entangled. And when it comes time to use the rope that we desperately need, I find it like this. And I try to just make sense of everything. And, and I think just when I have it, I get tied up with something else. And when I begin to work at this knot, all of a sudden I find out there's another knot. 
And I can spend an hour, two hours, just fighting with this robe, trying to set it free. And wouldn't you know that as I'm messing with this entanglement, I easily get caught up in frustration. I easily get caught up in being tired. There comes a point that I'm wrestling with this entanglement so much that I just want to call it quits. I just want to give it up and go find another robe and go buy one. And I wonder as we look at this word entangled, how many of you, this is what your mind looks like. This is what you look like on the inside. Maybe you come into church and you feel all entangled, but no one would ever know about it. And maybe you find yourself entangled with family drama. And you have all these problems with family members. And you're entangled in gossip. You're entangled in slander. And they're calling you to tell you what so-and-so did. And you're listening to them. And now you find yourself entangled and mad at other friends and other family members. And a lot of people are just entangled with family drama. Any family drama in the house? Maybe you've come into this church and, and we feel like we're entangled with bad habits. And just when you think you're going to be better and you're going to get free from this bad habit you have, you find yourself even in a more entanglement and you have other issues and other habits you're trying to break free from. And no one even knows the habits and even the sinful habits you're entangled with. Maybe you're entangled in a bad relationship and you're involved with someone you know it's not right for you. You're dating someone maybe you know it's not even a Christian and you think, man, I, well maybe I can change them. Or you're entangled in bad relationships with friendships. And you know that this friend is a bad influence, but you find yourself entangled with them, entangled in their lives and their mess. Maybe a lot of us have financial entanglement. And just when you think you're going to pay this card off, you have another card and you're trying to pay rent. And once you pay the rent, you realize that you got to do groceries and everything's so expensive and you don't know how you're going to be food on the table, pay the bills, and you're financially stressed because you're entangled in debt. You're entangled in finances and money and spending and this is broken and i got to buy this and that and the kids need this. And all of us have the pressure in life of feeling entangled and no matter what the entanglement is the results are all the same I'm frustrated pastor I'm tired sometimes I just want to call it quits Sometimes I just want to give up on God. Sometimes I just want to sign the divorce papers. Sometimes I just want to walk out. Sometimes I just want to stop trying. Sometimes I just want to give up and say, devil, you've won. Because when I look at my life, when I look at my mindset, this is what I feel like. I don't feel free. I have no joy. I've lost my peace. And to be honest, Pastor, I don't think freedom is even possible. I don't think I can get untangled from this. I've been this way too long. It's this entanglement runs in my family. It's a generational entanglement. 
It's a spiritual entanglement. And I just feel like this month, I want to preach to you on the word entangled. Because if there's any way to really describe the life of people today, if there's any way to describe the state of our country, is entangled. I want to talk to you this morning on something that many people are entangled with today. In fact, I can guarantee that most of everyone in this room is entangled with this right now. Even though you might be a Christian for years, even though you serve in this ministry, even though you've read the Bible cover to cover and you love the Lord with all your heart, I can almost guarantee that the majority of us in this room are entangled with this. You guys ready? Fear. Fear. Fear is something that even the best of Christians feel. Fear is something that so many people are entangled with right now. And maybe you've come to this church and you're, you're worshiping and you're singing about a God that does miracles, but deep down inside you're afraid that miracles happen for other people, but not you. Or you're sitting here in this church and you're listening to Maria's testimony about her grandson walking and it's a testimony of the power of God, but deep down inside you fear that that will never be your story. You'll never have a testimony to glorify God, the devil tells you. All of us entangled ourselves with fear. Even as I come up here to preach, fear entangles me. I fear that you're bored. I fear that I'm not good enough as a pastor. I fear that I'm making no difference. I fear that none of you are going to change. I fear that we're wasting our time. You'll be surprised that you might see me up here, but I'm not alone. I'm here, yes, with God, but also the devil's behind me. Fear consumes us. There's the fear that we entangled ourselves with. There's the fear of failure. The fear of failure consumes you. So because you have this fear of failure, you now get entangled with being a perfectionist. And everything has to be perfect, and everything has to be right, and you stress out when things don't go your way because you fear failure. And the reason you fear failure and become a perfectionist is because deep down inside, you fear rejection. What are people going to think if they know I'm not perfect? What if people know about my mess? What if people know that I don't have it all together? So in your fear of failure, you entangle yourself with fear of rejection. The fear of failure, there's so many people that fear loneliness because when you're alone and lonely it means you have failed in relationships the world tells us we fear failure what if i don't make it in life we fear poverty some of you maybe grew up in poverty 
You were raised in impoverished households. So when you grew up, you told yourself, I will never live in poverty again. So as a result of fear of poverty, you work all the time. You work to have plenty. You work so your kids don't grow up the way you did. You work and become enslaved and entangled to work. You get entangled with money. You get entangled with overtime. You get entangled with stress. And I got to work and I got to work. Why? It's not because you're a hard worker. It's not because you want the best for your family. But maybe it's because you fear poverty. You fear not having enough. You fear the lights getting cut because some of those are a result of your past. And you fear the past. You fear being your parents. And you get entangled because you don't want to be like them. You not only fear the past, now you have a fear of tomorrow. And what if? And what if I can't? And what if it doesn't change? All these fears consume us. Parents fear for their children. What if I'm not a good enough parent? What if they grow up not to love God? What if they make wrong choices in life? You see, all of us, within all of our mindsets, we get entangled in fear. And fear multiplies. It starts off with a little knot. And then that fear drags over to other things. And then you fear something else because of that fear. And it keeps getting wound around. It keeps getting caught up. And all of a sudden, you've come to church like this. Can I get a witness this morning? You've come to church to worship, but you worship like this. You come to worship, you've come to pray, you've come to learn the Word of God, but you're going to leave this church today entangled. You're going to face Monday entangled and all week long entangled just to come back next Sunday to church. And guess what? You will be entangled. Fear. It's one of the biggest entanglements. Not just in the world. But it plagues the church. 2 Timothy 1.7 says it this way. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Let's really pay attention to this. God has not given us a spirit of fear. The first thing God wants you to know is that fear does not come from Him. When God created you, He did not put fear inside you. Now, the type of fear that God is talking about is definitely something we need to learn. Because God says, I have not given you a spirit of fear. I have given you a spirit of power, of love. And here's the big takeaway. Of a sound mind. A sound mind. Here's how crazy... Fear gets. There are only two fears in our human nature. Only two. And I see them even in my 
my nephew River. He's born. And I've already seen these two fears in him. The fear of loud noises. That's a natural born fear in us. Whenever something goes, bam! See, some of you are, why? It's our natural fear. And it's not a sin. Because that fear protects you. That fear saves you. The fear of loud noises. And the fear of falling. Two. Can you imagine that there are only two fears inside our human nature? All the other fears man has is learned fear. Fear that's been developed by something that has happened to you. Something in your past. Something that was said. But all the other fear plaguing and tangling your mind right now does not come from God. And I want you to notice that God says that fear is more than just an emotion. It's a spirit. And it's a spirit because the fear that God is talking about comes from the devil. It's a demonic fear. It's a type of fear that dominates your mind. It's the type of fear that robs you of your faith. It's the type of fear that keeps you up at night. It's the type of fear that worries you about tomorrow. It's the type of fear, fear that makes it impossible for you to believe in the goodness of God. This fear causes doubt in a second. This fear robs you of the life that God wants you to have. And the Bible says that this fear is spiritual because it can control you. How do you know you're living with the spirit of fear? God says, I have not given you a spirit of fear. And this is how you know a spirit of fear consumes you. God has given us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Fear consumes you, number one, when you're living a powerless life. Where everything around you overtakes you. Everything around you just dominates you. You're living in a spirit of fear when you have no love. Fear consumes you so much, you become a bitter person. You become an angry person. And another way that you know that the spirit of fear consumes you is that God has given us a spirit of a sound mind. And that word sound mind in the Greek literally means to have self-control or self-discipline. The idea behind having a sound mind is to be careful and rational and sensible and how you think, and how you do things. That's what it means to have a sound mind. It means that whenever I'm thinking reasonable thoughts, whenever I'm thinking sensible thoughts that make sense, 
And whenever I'm careful in what I think and what I do, it is the way God has designed for me to live. But you know what fear does? Fear destroys a sound mind. Fear goes after your mind. And the reason that so many people make mistakes, make dumb decisions, go on the wrong path, is because they've lost all sense of a sound mind because fear dominates them. Many people make bad decisions out of fear. I've seen it as a pastor. Some people, out of fear of being alone, they marry the wrong person. Oh, I know they're not right for me, but you know, I'm getting older and I want kids and I might as well just, just settle for this one. I actually spoke to a man a few months ago before I got married and he said, Pastor, I know I married the wrong woman. You know what he tells me? And the Lord told me she was the wrong one. And I didn't listen because I was afraid of dying alone. Now he's miserable. And I told him, you tell me this right before I get married? I married the right one. <laughs> but many people out of fear, they just make the wrong decision. Many people out of one other person in his late 50s, just said, you know what? I'm leaving my family. Is it common to hear stories like this? Middle-aged men just walking out on their families to date a hot young one? And you know why? Because they fear that they've missed out. Fear makes you do dumb things. Fear puts a mindset in you that is not godly. Even in the book of Genesis, when Adam sinned and Eve and they ran away to hide from God, can you imagine the idea of going somewhere where God can't find you? How dumb is that? They knew that God created the world, the universe. They knew that God was sovereign, in control, almighty, all-knowing, all-powerful. They knew that God was the ultimate authority. But when he made a dumb decision, he decided to hide from God. And when God said, Adam, where are you? The first thing Adam responded was, I was afraid. I was afraid. You realize that fear caused Adam to run away from God thinking that he could hide from him. You see, Adam was the first man to experience not having a sound mind. Out of fear, he started thinking wrong and doing wrong and acting wrong and living wrong because fear dominated him to the point that even God asked him, who told you you were afraid? Because I didn't tell you that. Adam, who are you listening to? You see, whenever you're living in fear and entangled in fear, you're not listening to God. You are listening to the devil himself. 
speaking the language of lies and fear. The nation of Israel was going to the promised land, living for a better life, living in the promises of God. But the Bible says they were afraid they were going to die. They were afraid that they had no food. So they thought to themselves and said, you know what, let's go back to Egypt. Let's go back to slavery. Let's go back to bondage. Let's go back to the very place we cried out for God to set us free from. They weren't thinking right. They weren't sensible. They've lost all sense of a sound mind because fear entangled them. Do you get it now, church? That when you begin to live entangled in fear, it completely dominates a sound mind. And you don't think rational. You're not careful in what you think. You're not sensible. It makes no sense. When you're in fear, you'll be surprised how your mind makes no sense. And that's what the devil wants. I love the story we just read. In verse 15, the Bible says that there was a king and he woke up one morning. The Bible says when the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning, he went outside. Imagine this. This king gets up in the morning. He makes his coffee. He's going to go outside and just sit down, enjoy the fresh air, enjoy another beautiful day as king. And when he wakes up early the next morning, there were troops surrounding the entire city. Horses, chariots, everywhere. Notice what he said first. Oh. How many of you have an oh moment right now? You get bad news, you're like, oh. You look at the news and you're like, oh. You wake up next to your spouse, you're like, oh. You're looking at your kids on the way to school, you're like, oh. Come on, how many old moments in your life? You know, as a pastor, I get phone calls. And when I hang up with you, I go, oh. Oh. He says, oh. And here's a big question. What are we going to do? Is that not the most stressful, fearful question you tell yourself? What are we going to do? Two years ago when COVID hit, and I said that churches had to close down, I said, oh. And I said, what, what are we going to do? And then when I get word that churches are closing down permanently because of COVID, I said, oh. What are we going to do? Are you here this morning? And you're asking yourself, what am I going to do? That question derives only from fear. What am I going to do? How am I going to fix this? How am I going to get out of this? How am I going to change this? What if this happens? 
What am I going to do? What am I going to do about money? And fear begins to entangle you. What am I going to do about money? What if I lose my job? Then I can't pay the bills. Then I lose the house. And I'm homeless. You're not thinking sensible. What if I have to just find work in something else? What am I going to do about this? What if I can't? What am I going to do about the kids? How am I going to raise the kids? And what if the kids come out like this? What am I going to do in fear? begins to consume you. What am I going to do about my habits? What am I going to do about my future? What am I going to do about school? What am I going to do about this? What am I going to do about that? And this begins to just tangle inside your head. When this king woke up and he looked outside and he was surrounded by the enemy, it looked like the enemy won. It looked like it was over. And the first thing he asked was, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? A question that only comes with fear. And now you feel the pressure. I got to do something. I got to figure this out. I, I got to fix this. And you realize it's a lot harder than you thought. And all of a sudden you get depressed and discouraged. And now you're in it so long, you're thinking to yourself, I'm hopeless. It's never going to change. It's useless. And the devil's like, yeah. It is. You'll never get out of that. You see this right now? This is forever. Don't even pray about it anymore. Don't, don't even pray about your grandson walking. It's been two years. What are you going to do if he can't walk anymore? David, don't, don't pray for River if his vocal cords are paralyzed. It's never going to get fixed. He'll never talk right. He'll never sing right. David, stop thinking the church is going to grow. Stop thinking that there's going to be something great. God is done. Stop thinking you're going to get out of these drugs. Stop thinking you're going to stop that pornography. Stop thinking. And fear. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? When life gets complicated and you're asking yourself, what am I going to do? Elijah, the man of God that spoke on behalf of God, gave him some advice. Advice that I think if I told my church, they would hang me with this rope. Verse 16. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Let's just, let's just really think about this. You wake up one morning, you sit out on the balcony, you're surrounded by a massive army ready to kill you. I come out there with you. You tell me, Pastor, what are we going to do? And I said, don't be afraid. What would you do to me, church? 
kill, mom, my mom would kill me. What do we, what do we, you're thinking, are you kidding me? Look around you. And I said, don't be afraid. When life gets complicated and you don't know what to do, right now I'm going to assume your life is complicated and tangled. And I'm also going to assume you have no idea what you're going to do. When you don't know what to do, determine at least one thing you will not do. And that's be afraid. You may not know what to do about the future, tomorrow, your marriage, your kids, the finances, whatever it is. But see, when you're in a place you don't know what to do, you have to pre-decide and determine what you're not going to do. I am not going to allow myself to fall victim to fear, entangled in fear, and lose hope and faith and be discouraged. I am not going to be afraid. I am not going to be afraid. I don't care what happens to the world. I don't care who our president is. I don't care what Russia's doing. I don't care how expensive gas is. I don't care what your kids are into. I don't care about TikTok. I don't care about viral this, viral that. I don't care about diseases. I don't care about financial economic collapses. I choose not to be afraid. Because fear does nothing. It does nothing to entangle you, to untangle you. But it will entangle you. Make a decision like Elijah said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And notice what Elijah said after. He said, don't be afraid. But what are we going to do? Don't be afraid. That's what we're not going to do. And then he said, there are more on our side than on theirs. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. No, they weren't. It's two against 10,000. But see, Elijah was looking at his circumstance through a spiritual perspective. A spiritual point of view. And what Elijah told this king was simply, there's more than what you don't see. See, when you're entangled in fear, all you see is the problem. But when you entangle yourself in faith, you know that God is up to something more. There's more to this than this problem. There's more to this than this circumstance. I know that God... There is more. And he was telling the man, there's more. That God is greater. And he has a plan. He's looking at things through a spiritual perspective. What's interesting is that what this king thought he needed was a way out. Isn't that the truth? That when we're going through a difficult trial, we're looking for the way out. We're looking to how to get out of this situation, how to get out of this. I need a way to get out of that. And all of us right now, we're looking for an escape. We're looking for a way out. 
But what if what you really need is not a way out, but a change in the way you see things? The king did not need an escape. What he actually needed was to change the way he was looking at his problem. Remember, church, that perception is not what you see, but how you see. And let me ask you this question to drive this point. Did Elijah and this man face the same army? Yes. Elijah and this man both had the same army, the same problem. They both woke up that morning and were surrounded and they were about to die. But Elijah still had faith while the king had fear. That's perception. Same problem, different reaction. One chose to see it through the realm of faith and God And the other one chose to see it in the way of the physical and what was seen. And when you choose to just look at the problem and look at the physical, you're going to live a life dominated by fear. But as a man and a woman of God, you are not called to see this world through the lens of the world, but you are to see this world through the lens of God. And let me tell you, the thing that you're afraid of right now does not fear God. God is not afraid of what you're afraid of. God is not stressed out about what you're stressed out about. God is not losing sleep about the things you're losing sleep about. God right now, I promise you, is on the throne, sitting on the throne, in control, fully sovereign, knowing I have a way. I have a way. And Elijah chose to say, don't be afraid. Because God has a way. It's a choice. Colossians 3, 1 through 2 says this, to set your mind. Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts. That word hearts literally means your inner thoughts. Set your inner thoughts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Church, where is your mindset right now? If your mind is set on the problems, your mind is set on the circumstances. Your mind is set on how it's never going to change. It's too difficult. It's too stressful. I'll never come out of this. Fear will always entangle you. But when you choose to set your mind on God and the things above and what God promises in His Word, faith begins to consume the fear that was once consuming you. This is why in verse 17, Elijah does something that is so profound to me as I read it. Remember, they're surrounded by an army. There's no way out. And Elijah prayed. Now most of us would do the same. We pray. Usually we pray for a miracle, right? We pray for a way out. We pray, Lord, fix this, do this, do something, Lord. But Elijah prays. 
He doesn't pray for himself. Elijah doesn't say, Lord, help me. Give me strength. Help me get out of this. Elijah doesn't pray as he did before for fire to come down and consume the enemy. He doesn't pray for a way out. He doesn't say, Lord, destroy them all. Elijah prayed. A prayer that we need to learn to pray when entangled in fear. Lord, would you open up his eyes and let him see? Now, the king wasn't blind. But what Elijah was telling him is, Lord, help him to see through your lens. A kingdom view, a kingdom mindset. The Lord opened up the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw things different. He saw that the hillside around Elijah was filled with horses and chariots and fire. The problem that was surrounding them was actually surrounded by God. The problems that are surrounding you right now are surrounded by God. The reason you can live with no fear when God says, do not be afraid, is because the problem you're faced with right now has to face God. And there is more than what you can see. There is more to what God is doing. And greater is He, the Bible says. There's more. Elijah prayed and the man opened up his eyes to see that God is in control. Let me close with this. Because if you feel like fear is consuming your mind and you're just entangled in fear, and you're asking yourself, what am I going to do? How am I going to get out of this? What if it never changes? What if it can't be fixed? Maybe what you need to pray is not, Lord, get me out of this. Maybe what you, not, you don't need to pray is, 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 Lord, would you just destroy my enemies? you ever prayed that before? Maybe what you need to pray is, Lord, help me to see. Help me to see. You know why our prayer ministry prayed for Maria's grandson? Because we weren't seeing a boy that couldn't walk. We were seeing a boy that God could heal. You know why we looked at River and his vocal cords were paralyzed and we were hopeless for a month and a half and wondering what was going to happen? You know why we kept praying? Because when we saw River, we saw him worshiping one day. We knew that there was a God that heals. And it didn't matter what doctor said. We were looking at this through a lens of God. And we knew that the problems that surrounded him were surrounded by God. And the problems that are surrounding you today are surrounded by God. And when God surrounds something, things will change. 
so God said, you better pray. But don't pray for me to get you out. Because sometimes you don't need to get out of a situation. You just need to see it differently. So if it ever feels like this in your mind, little head, your mindset, problems. My problems are creating me, creating so much doubt that leaves me stressed. And pastor, I'm just living in fear. I'm afraid that I'm never going to get there. I'm afraid I'm never going to have it. I'm afraid it's never going to change. So now my fear has consumed to worry. It's all I think about, and I'm just surrounded by trouble. So my mindset, everything is problems and stress and doubt and worries and fear and trouble and trouble and fear and worry and stress and doubt and problems and problems and stress and doubt and worry and trouble and fear and stress and problems. And when you live like this, wouldn't you know that everything seems bigger than you? This is you right now. Your problems are so much bigger. And that's why you say, what am I going to do? This is beyond me. And when you choose to live in fear and doubt and worry and stress because of your problems and your trouble, not only does it make you smaller, Not only does it belittle you, it belittles God. Does it make sense as a Christian to belittle the God you serve? But that's every time we fear. We say, God, you're too small for this. This is bigger than you. But church, I have a question. What goes beyond God? What can God look at and says, this is out of my league. Nothing is impossible for God. He is bigger. So when you belittle God and you are smaller than your problems and your problems are beyond you, all you need to change is not the circumstance but your perception and you begin to say, God, you're bigger than my troubles and my stress and my worries they're so much smaller in comparison to you when you live like this fear has no place in your mind God is bigger than the dreams you have because God put them there God is bigger than any problem you face God looks at this world right now and the stress and the fear and the trouble and the worry and He is above all things. But are you guilty of belittling Him? Every time you worry, you do. Every time you fear, you do. God is bigger than anything you face right now. That's why 1 John 4, 4 
says this, you belong to God. You, little old you, think about little old pathetic you, little old pathetic me, you, you belong to God. And whatever belongs to God, he's responsible for. God is responsible for you. You belong to God. If you have repented of your sins and turned your life to Jesus, you belong to God. Say it, I belong to God. Would you hit your neighbor today? Hit them and tell them, you belong to God. This church belongs to God. You belong to God, my dear children. Because you belong to God, the Bible declares you've already won. You've already won. Before it was even a fight, you won. Because you belong to God. You have already won a victory over those people. Because the spirit, the spirit, not the spirit of fear, but the spirit of God, lives in you is greater than he who is in the world. God is greater than any stress, little problem, little fear, little trouble that's in the world right now. And when it comes to this God that you serve, you belong to him. So God says, cast all your cares on me. Cast all your cares on me because I care for you. So God tells his children that belong to him, would you just surrender that to me so that you can see me work? Come on, let's all stand to our feet today. If you're entangled in fear, every head bow every eye closed today church if you're living entangled with fear I want to spend the next three minutes praying over you because I do not want you to leave this church today entangled with fear any longer if you're saying pastor fear consumes my life my thoughts my well-being and it seems like everything is beat on me and I'll never get to what I want. I'll never have that dream. I'll never fulfill this destiny. This problem is beyond my ability to handle. I'm stressed. I'm worried. I'm afraid. I'm troubled. I'm not just preaching to myself. I believe I'm preaching to every person in this room. Would you come up to this altar today? Come on, church. Come to this altar today. Let's pray as a church. And say, Lord, I give you my fear. I'm entangled in this mess, this stress, this sin. All of you here today, fear has no place in the child of God. You belong to God. So right now, say, Lord, forgive me for belittling you. Every time I worry, 
every time I'm afraid, every time I complain, every time I stress and lose joy, I belittle you, and for that, I'm truly sorry. Forgive me for belittling you. And Lord, you are beyond the things that are beyond me right now. Would you tell the Lord in your heart, church, what's beyond you right now? What can't you do? What can't you fix? What can't you achieve? And God says, cast your cares upon me. Just give that to the Lord right now. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for our perception to change. I believe that fear entangles us, worry and shame. We're afraid for our lives, our future, our children, our families. We're afraid of failure. We're afraid of this world, Father. And Father, it can feel like it's just beyond us and bigger than us. But Father, we know that we belong to you. And because of that, because we belong to you, you will take care of us. It is why you tell us not to worry about our lives, not to fear, not to be anxious, but in everything by prayer to give you our request. So Father, I pray that you would change the eyes, the mindsets, the views of our church. Change the way we see the problem. For the things that surround us today are surrounded by you. You have a plan. You have a will. You have a destiny. You're in control. But help us to see it. To believe for a mighty miracle. And forgive us, Lord. Because we do not serve a little God but a big one. Forgive us for just belittling you. And in Jesus' name, I bind every demonic, fearful thought that has plagued your heart. And in the name of Jesus, worry and anxiety and stress be bound. Father, set us free from the fear and the entanglement of fear. Set us free so that we can see you as you are, bigger above all things. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, give it to the Lord. Give him a shout of praise today. Amen. Amen. I want to thank you guys for joining us today. Were you guys blessed by this service today? I hope you guys were. Come on, give God some praise if you were.